Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. This podcast and the participation of Gary Shiner is sponsored by Essentia Diabetes Care, makers of the Contour Next brand of blood glucose monitors. Today's topic is BGM in a CGM world. My name is Jody Lavin Tompkins. I'm an advanced practice nurse and certified diabetes care and education specialist and director of accreditation and content development at ADCES. Today, I'll be speaking with our expert, Gary Shiner, about the role blood glucose monitoring continues to play in diabetes care and management and how we, as diabetes care and education specialists, can help people with diabetes benefit the most from it. Gary is also a certified diabetes care and education specialist. He's written multiple books on diabetes management, presents to audiences worldwide, and has been an ADCES Diabetes Educator of the Year. Welcome, Gary, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jody. Gary, your experience with glucose monitoring goes back a long way. So you must be excited about the way things have evolved. You know, I still remember the original home glucose meters that had to be plugged into a wall and required that huge hanging drop of blood to produce a reading. Over the years, the meters have become smaller, faster, more accurate, and much easier to use. My first continuous glucose monitor, or or CGM, was a black box that just stored data for three days and it connected to the sensor with a hard wire. Nowadays, we have continuous glucose monitors and intermittently scanned glucose monitors that provide almost real-time glucose data, along with trending information, and in some cases, alerts for pending highs and lows. And in many cases, they do this without the user even having to calibrate with a finger stick. Yeah, with the way CGM has caught on, do you think there is still a role for finger stick blood glucose checks? You know, there's still a lot of people who rely exclusively on BGM or or blood glucose monitoring, including people with type 2 who are on diet or anti-diabetic agents that don't put them at a risk of hypoglycemia. Also, those who are anxious about just receiving too much data and those who don't want anything connected to their body. BGM isn't without its challenges. It still requires a blood draw, which can be inconvenient and painful, especially if it's not done correctly. But BGM is the only device that provides real-time readings with no time lag, since the reading comes directly from a capillary blood sample and not interstitial fluid. As long as an accurate meter is used, the results match lab values much more closely than with any CGM system. Although CGMs don't require a blood sample, they do involve an insertion process. You have to wear a device on the skin all the time. There's use of a handheld receiver, 
and there are costs that may not be covered by all health insurances. Yes, unfortunately, even for those who want to use CGM, their access may be limited by their insurance coverage. But for someone who does have access and uses a CGM regularly, can you tell us what role BGM does play? Well, some CGMs do require calibrations multiple times daily. But with all CGMs, you know, whether they require calibrations or not, there are times when a finger stick is still appropriate. For example, any time the CGM is not producing data, such as during warm-up periods, signal loss, or sensor errors, a BGM reading is going to be needed. It can also be helpful to obtain a BGM reading whenever the CGM readings don't match how a person feels. Also, when they're recovering from hypoglycemia, during or right after exercise, as well as when the glucose is rising or falling quickly. Under those conditions, lag time can produce a major difference between the CGM and BGM values. So making decisions solely on CGM data during times like those can lead to suboptimal decision-making. That's interesting. So in your practice, Gary, do you recommend performing finger sticks even when a CGM doesn't require calibration? Yeah, I think it's still important to do that. Anytime a finger stick value differs from a CGM value by more than 20%, you have to question the accuracy of the CGM. If it's a system that doesn't require calibration, it might require a call to customer support or a change out of the sensor. If it's a system that can be calibrated, it's worth entering that calibration value into the CGM so that it can correct itself. Well, what about those who don't have the benefit of a CGM system? How can they make effective use of BGM? Well, for those who don't use a CGM at all, as well as those who are waiting for sensor supplies or choosing to take a break or a vacation from using their CGM, BGM is the only way to really know what their glucose level is. For those on intensive insulin therapy, that means checking their blood glucose upon waking, prior to each meal and snack, before exercise, before driving, and at bedtime. Occasional after-meal readings are also very useful for determining optimal prandial insulin doses and timing of prandial insulin. For those using insulin only with or without oral hypoglycemic agents, Daily fasting readings, as well as pre-meal and occasional post-meal readings, are helpful for seeing cause and effect relationships. We often have patients rotate their BGM monitoring times in order to see how things look at key points of the day without putting an undue burden on them to check so often. And since insulin and meds that induce extra insulin secretion can cause hypoglycemia, Checking glucose before driving or physical activity is also recommended. And I'd say that you know, even those who are not at risk of hypoglycemia, we should still be performing blood glucose measurements so that they and we as clinicians have the data for evaluating the treatment plan. There's nothing quite like blood glucose readings taken before and after meals, as well as events such as exercise, to help patients see specific cause and effect relationships and hone their own behaviors. 
Also in times of stress or illness, glucose levels can vary much more than usual and blood glucose readings can help a person make appropriate adjustments. Right. So having said all of those situations where BGM is helpful, it sounds as though BGM remains important in diabetes care. So how can we as clinicians ensure that people with diabetes are checking at opportune times and are not overly burdened? Well, I think first it's important to make it simple and meaningful for the person. And that means writing down instructions for them if possible and giving them a chart that shows them when they should be checking. There are some apps that provide reminders right on a user's phone. And be sure to teach them why they're checking. If they understand the reason for doing it, they're much more likely to follow through. There's research showing that just checking the glucose may not result in improved outcomes. The person really needs to know how to interpret the data and act on it. And in order to do that, they have to have a clear understanding of their glucose targets. Yeah, I agree that the why is really, really important um, for them to understand in order for it to make sense. So can you give us an example from your practice, Gary? Sure. Let's say you're working with someone who's taking basal insulin and a couple of other diabetes meds. You want to see if they need prandial insulin or need changes in their diet, so you ask them to check their glucose before and two hours after one meal each day, and you rotate the, the meals when they're going to check. For example, Monday might be breakfast day, and Tuesday is lunch, and Wednesday is dinner, and so on. Let them know what the goals are for that after-meal glucose level. You might want them to either stay below a certain threshold or rise less than a certain amount from the pre-meal value. You can instruct them to play around with the kind of foods they have, the quantities, or even the amount of physical activity that they do after the meal in an effort to achieve those desired results. And have them report back to you what they find out. Yeah, I also found in my practice that having them ex do some experiments and, and rotate and try different things on different days was very helpful. So thanks for that. What advice do you have about selecting a BGM device and ensuring that the results are as accurate as possible? Well, once again, I think one of the goals is to try to keep things simple for the person. Choose a meter that involves very few steps, very little blood, and very little time. Be sure to instruct them on how to properly obtain a finger stick and how to minimize the discomfort associated with finger stick testing. This involves use of the sides rather than the tips of the fingers, using a high gauge lancet, and also setting that lancing device at the lowest possible setting that still produces a sufficient blood drop. It's important to obtain enough blood, obviously, to fill the entire sample area of the strip. I especially like meters that allow what's called second chance sampling in case the user doesn't apply enough blood the first time. This can save the person time, money, and ensure the accuracy of the readings. In your experience, Gary, what works best for recording and reporting blood glucose data from the meter? I know there's lots of options, so could you review that for our listeners? Well, in the ideal world, if you have a meter that can passively synchronize the data with an app or cloud-based server, it eliminates the need for manual downloading or writing down the results. 
you know, there are people who still benefit from writing their readings down because it allows them to look for patterns in their own data. You know, immediate feedback is always nice. For example, some meters will provide colored lights, letting the user know if their reading is above, below, or within their target range. And of course, insurance coverage for the meter and the strips is critical to minimize barriers to access. So find out which meters are covered with the major insurance plans in your area. If there's a meter you like that isn't on the preferred formulary, ask the manufacturer for coupons or copay cards. In some cases, test strips from major manufacturers can be purchased over the counter at a low price. Sometimes it even costs less than a copay. Well, thanks so much for all this great information, Gary. This has been extremely helpful. And it certainly looks as though blood glucose monitoring still plays a key role in diabetes care, even for those who are using continuous glucose monitoring devices. Thanks, Jody. It was great being on. As diabetes care and education specialists, we play an important role in ensuring that people continue to have access to quality BGM equipment that they're checking at the most beneficial times for their individual case, and that they use the data for making informed decisions. Today's episode and speaker was sponsored by Essentia Diabetes Care, makers of the Contour Next brand of blood glucose meters and test strips. To learn more about the accuracy of Contour Next brand meters and receive samples for your clients, visit contournextpro.com. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.